he was going to threaten me with uh, interrupting my first drive, interrupting his this morning. So I hope we don't follow through on that. But I do need your attention just for a little bit. We want to go over these verses. Um, you say, uh, why would you take time in preaching to uh, go over verses? You know, I have often heard it said that uh, the lifeblood of the church is its heart for souls, and I really believe it. Um, it's not the fellowship. We had a lot of fun last night. I enjoyed the time with other people and uh, common interests and, and things that we have with family and friends. Uh, but one of the one of the things that the tie that really binds us, I think, is the fact that what God did for us, we need to do for others um, by providing the witness and the testimony. So uh, please, uh, we're going to try to go over a little bit of that. This may not be a message that's too much preaching in it this morning. It may be just uh, a more teaching um, and uh, so they can kind of get the idea of how important uh, some verses are in the Bible that, that really get us where we need to be uh, spiritually to the place that we will uh, be like Christ uh, was and is, uh, that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, uh, that he uh, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And uh, no greater love than this than a man lay down his life for his friend. Um, there, those are themes that are that are deeply written in the Word of God, and and they're uh, things that if we we want to make things work, um, it's like I always tell people, you know, while you're trying to buy a car, and you can say, okay, um, what what do the tires look like? Well, Fair. Uh, what, what's the paint job like? Well, it's, it's a pretty good paint job. Uh, uh, you say, what's the interior look like? Well, it's not bad shape. Um, and you never get down to the meeting. What's the motor look like? What's the transmission look like? These are the things that are going to get down the road. You may not get stopped, and it may not be a comfortable ride, but at least you're moving down the road with it. And the Christian life is a little bit like that. The theme of all of your faith should lead you to a place where you're a soul winner and you love to win souls. And uh, when you, I, I'll be honest with you, I, could, I, I wrote and text folks that were coming out on Sunday, Saturday morning, and, uh, and uh, it really did bother me that we weren't able to, to do a 10 o'clock start. And, uh, and one person said they were, they were going to try to do later on, maybe the brain would break, and that encouraged me a lot. Uh, because it, it needs to be the, our theme and what drives us and what motivates us, what moves us, is that there are people out there that were just like you and me and they're dying and going to hell. That's the bottom line. <clears throat> You've got family that's dying and going to hell. If you're not praying for them every day, it ought to break your heart. It ought to, it ought to swell up in you <clears throat> to the degree that it bothers you. All right? And uh, so please... Uh, understand the value of what we're talking about. Okay, it's it's what we're all about. So when we look at these verses today that deal with soul winning, uh, verse John uh, chapter one, and I apologize for not getting this in the bowl and correct. I I'm not owning up to the fact that I'm losing my hearing a little bit. Uh, I wrote down all the wrong. Well, all but one. I got all the wrong verses down from a verbal. Uh, Oscar gave them to me and I thought I wrote down what I heard but I didn't know what I heard but I wanted to write one uh, John chapter 1 verse 3 if you're in your Bible maybe uh, put this down there it says I'm going to just repeat all things were made by him without him was not anything made that was made I used this verse uh, when I was uh, witnessing to the Jehovah Witnesses uh, because Jesus was in the beginning alright he didn't just show up as a, and, uh, in the New Testament uh, and Hod made reference to that this morning in Sunday school um, as a side note. Uh, so in then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, and, and it says, Him made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of Christ. And of course that, the atoning, uh, a full atonement that we get through the shed blood. Uh, we sang a song about the mercy seat, remember? And remember when they, in the Old Testament they used to, they used to sprinkle blood 
on the mercy seat. Why? Because the mercy seat was not available except through what? Blood. All right. And so the idea of Christ paid the price. And then 1 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 22, and who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And uh, again, talking about the sinlessness of Christ and uh, how important it is, how valuable it is, and uh, in atoning for us. Because if he wasn't sinless, guess what? His death meant nothing. And uh, because he was able to be substitutionary for us, uh, which we are laden with sin. So let's go over these verses together quickly if we can. And I ask you to pre repeat them after me. John chapter 1, John 1, 3. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Second Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. First Peter 2.22 Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. All right, so we're dealing with the sinlessness of Christ there. All right, uh, if we're going to take your Bibles this morning and turn to Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter number 12, we're going to look at the idea of overcoming deep-rooted sin. I don't know why you say, Pastor, how'd you come up with this message? Because I know what it means to have deep-rooted sin. And I say, and I've, I've dealt with it myself, and I know that there is victory over it. And, uh, and, I, and I'm sure that uh, God made no mistake in giving me this message this morning, overcoming this idea of what it, the idea of deep-rooted sin. I don't know about any of you, but I've been uh, part of the agriculture scene for quite a bit of my life. I can tell you there's certain plants and that are weeds that are deep-rooted. And uh, I can remember these um, uh, plants that uh, weeds that we had out in the, in the field, and it didn't matter how many, Dad called them smart weeds. I don't know if they're really smart or not. Uh, but you could, if you didn't get every single root out, guess what would happen? They just pop right back up. You pull them out one week, they'd be back the next. They'd be in a different spot, but they'd be out back in there. And so the idea of that deep roots is we understand that. We know that, uh, that we need deep roots, but we don't need it in sin. Hebrews chapter number 12. We're going to read uh, actually a little bit more than that. I want to start before... So if you're looking in your Bible, look in uh, Hebrews chapter number 11. We're going to start in verse number 32. We're going to read on through verse chapter 12. We're going to start in verse number 32. And the Bible says, what shall we say, more say, for the time, let's stand, I'm sorry, that's out of respect for the word of God. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 32. What shall I say, more, more say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Japheth and of David and of Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourging, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. And they were stoned, and they were sawn asunder, and they were tempted, and were slain with swords, and wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented whom the world was not worthy, 
They wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all having obtained a good report. I want to underline that thought. These all what? Having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. First chapter 12 verse 1. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. For ye have not resisted unto blood the striving against sin, and have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for your mercy. And we thank you, Father, for the promise of overcoming sin. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, that, Lord, know that there are weights and sins that do beset. And I pray that, Father, that we get the victory. And, Lord, that we know that getting the victory will not only provide a way for us in this world, but, Father, for those that need us to be all that we should be. Father, I pray you'd bless. We need your help. We need your strength. We need your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. So, again, I mentioned this today. If you have a piece of paper, I would encourage you to write some things down. Because if you have some things that you really struggle with, and I don't know, I haven't met a Christian yet that doesn't struggle with something. There are sins of omission. You say, what are those? Those are those things you're supposed to be doing and you don't. Soul winning. Is that a Christian responsibility? Sure. How about praying? Is that a Christian responsibility? Right. How about, how about being the person you need to be uh, as a dad to your kids, how many feel you fail there? How about your mom say, man, I think like I know I need to, I could do better. How about having family devotions and you don't? How about having personal devotions and reading your Bible and you don't? I mean, you can go on and on and on. Those are sins of omission. I haven't even started on the sins of omission. Those are the things that you know are wrong. And they're actually things that, that, that are... You know, if you, you wouldn't want to hide those things. I mean, you think about it. There's things you look at you know you shouldn't. Come on. I mean, no, that's that's a sin. How many things you hear you know you shouldn't hear? How many things you, you watch on the Internet that you say, no, I know that's wrong? Listen, those are deep-rooted sins. You, you get done with whatever you're doing in those areas, and you say, oh, I feel so wrong, and I feel so bad. You ask God to forget you, but they always come back and haunt you. How many think God will give you victory over things like that? Man, it's exciting. <laughs> I can tell you what it is to have be the excitement to get victory over things that plague you in your life. Whether it's sins of commission or sins of omission. The Bible says, He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it's so I'm hoping that God will inspire you this morning and strengthen you this morning, not by some emotional message that I'm going to give, but by his word. When you take God at his word, listen, is God all about keeping his word? You know, when you think about it, and when, when Peter says that, uh, that, that he adds your faith virtue and to virtue, oh, I forgot, I had that one memorized. Knowledge. knowledge. The knowledge... Temperance. You know, God says, that since I'm going to add these things to you. Let's look at some things together out of the, out of the Word of God this morning. First thing I want to look 
There is a path to victory. And I'm going to give you these things, and I want you to look at Most of it's going to come right out of, of Hebrews chapter 1 and 2. But I want you to look at the first one is that we are good at making excuses. I am anyway. There's always some little justification for things that we know in our hearts I should be doing. But this is the reason I can't do them. Boy, if we can get past this first one and I'll own up to the idea that if it's God's will, it can be done. How many agree with that? If it's the will of God, there's some way, somehow it can be done in our life. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John chapter number 6. Just back a little ways in your Bible. 1 John chapter number 1. You know chapter 6 in that. Chapter number 1 of 1 John. I'm going to start in verse 5. The Bible says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light, right? And in him is what? No darkness at all. So if God is light, in him is no darkness at all. Look in verse number 6. This is the key. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and what? Do not the truth. I mean, it's not that you don't know the truth. You just don't do the truth. There's a difference. God's all about light. There's no darkness. There's no excuse making. There's no other way that God. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And what? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all Sin. Those are key words. He doesn't say, well, it's going to take care of a few of the things. He says it's going to do what? It's going to cleanse us. You know what? If you're struggling with some kind of sin of omission or commission in your life, then say, God, your blood cleanses me from what? All sin. I can take that to prayer, right? I'm going to point the thing out. I'm not going to make excuse for it in my life. I'm going to point the thing out. I'm going to take it to God in prayer. You said it will cleanse me from all sin. All sin. Verse number 8. If we say we have no sin, what? We deceive ourselves. All right, we're back to excuse making. It's not a sin. It's not that big a deal. Everybody does it. How many have, how many have fallen into that trap? Right? Well, it's uh, not that big a deal. You know, those people that, that follow through on what that they're, they're just, you know, they're a special group. Doesn't mean you have to. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That means we're not, we're, that's that deception, that self-deception. That's, that's the key. Don't make excuse. If you really want to get a victory over deep-rooted sin, you just quit making excuses. I'm not going to lie to myself. I'm not going to lie to others. I'm just going to be honest about it so that I can get rid of it. How many think it would be exciting to get rid of some things in your life? Woo! <laughs> I could tell. You guys would be so elated and excited. You'd be clicking your heels and you'd, you'd be doing cartwheels if you could do them. Don't try to do cartwheels, by the way. I'm not going to try. All right, second thing. The path of victory. This is probably one of the most abused verses in the Bible. And I'm going to do it very carefully so that you can see that the motivation that God uses, path to victory, goes back with a conclusion from chapter number 11. It makes a conclusion, wherefore. It starts the chapter with wherefore. We also. We also what? There is a idea that these Saints that it mentions in the end of chapter of Hebrews chapter number 11, there's a reason that we get the heroes of the faith is the idea that, that we have a responsibility to live the Christian life as well as they did. All right? Not just the, uh, they, wow, that's great that they did that. They were sawn asunder. They, they didn't accept the, uh, 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 an easy pass from, uh, from their persecutors. 
Their dead was raised to life. They had cruel mockings and scourging. Yea, more were bonds of imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain. The sword, they wandered. Listen, it's saying, wherefore, if we understand that and we believe that, that God got them through that by faith, then there's this idea that, that the heroes of the faith needs to what? Continue. Would you agree? Come on. I don't, you say, well, I don't want to be lifted up. God, it's not you that's going to be lifted up. It's going to be God lifted up in your life. God getting a victory in your life, and people are going to see it. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, hard getting the victory. He was just living by faith, and God did a good work in his life. It says, we also, we also, God puts us in the same category. So we're going to see, and second thing is that you can have victory. You can be a part of those heroes. All right? The reason you want to make that also, and when you read the rest of this, and you'll see it in the next segment, that we also are what? Compassed about. They were compassed about by a cloud of witnesses, right? They had people that were around them that they were to be a testimony to. They were to be a witness to. They were to be the salt of the light of the earth too. So are we. How many of you got a lot of people in your life that need Christ? How important is it in your life that they see a true testimony of Jesus working? Not some facade of something you're kind of making up and showy stuff that you're putting on, especially as I preached last week, how why lost children stay, your children stay lost. Because they see something in their home that doesn't reflect Jesus. Well, listen, not only does that include your children, but it includes relatives and friends and neighbors. When you think about this idea we are compassed about with so we also are compassed about. It's, uh, I've heard people say, well, uh, it's because we are compassed about. Uh, it's the saints above us that uh, are watching uh, us uh, live out our Christian life. And, and we got to kind of, well, they're watching me. And I don't want to disappoint David. And I don't want to disappoint Japheth and, and Samson. What kind of motive is that to live the Christian life? We trying to please the old saints of old or trying to please the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation, when you get saved, you want to please Jesus. Now others might be pleased by your behavior, but that's not your motivation for living the Christian life. We also are compassed about by a great cloud of witnesses. These witnesses are indigent that are watching and listening and following through. Is this person real? Are they, what are they, why do they live their life this way? Why do they act this way? Why do they witness to me this way? Because they have Jesus as their Savior. And they want to please the Lord that saved them. So number three, your life has a purpose. Understand that? Your life has a purpose. Say it over with me. My life has a purpose. And if your purpose isn't for that witness, then what is your life for? That's why this idea that you say the path to victory, you say I want to be on track, living for God, overcoming sin that are deep-rooted in my life, then you've got to understand that you have to be, through God's strength, and God's grace, and God's mercy, you have to understand that you are the salt and light of the earth. That's your life purpose. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Say it with me. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. That means if Christ lives in you, then guess what? You come to seek and to save what? That which is lost. That's your life purpose. Yeah, I have a job. And yes, I'm a dad or a mom. Or yes, I'm a son or a daughter. But my life purpose is what? To be a witness. To seek and to save that which is lost. Not willing that what? Any should perish. That's what I think. 
I'm not willing to sink and stand by every week and, and allow each week to pass and not give a verbal witness or hand out a track at minimum and pray for loss on one Wednesday night and every other day that you pray for people that are on your prayer list because you're not willing, because that is your life purpose. And if it's not, then you wonder why. Because, you know, when you're trying to be a witness and you want the power of God to be on your life, guess what? You're going to be checking your life for sin, won't you? You say, how can I witness to others when I'm not living the Christian life? I've heard people say that. I can't. Well, I'm not really going to church right now. I don't. I, I'm not. You know, I just. I can't say nothing. That's, a, that's something deep-rooted that's interrupting your Christian life. Let's look at these verses together. John chapter 4, verse 39. You may be already there. They support the idea that we're compassed about and our responsibility is there. <clears throat> Gospel of John chapter number 4. You might already be familiar with this because of the location of it. The Bible says <clears throat> the belief of Samaritans and many Samaritans, verse 39, and many of the Samaritans that the city believed on him for the saying of the woman was testified, he told me all that I ever did. <laughs> Man, she, you say, well, I've got to be, be discipled and I've got to know all the verses in the Bible and I've got to be uh, this or that or the other. Did this woman have all that? She just went and gave her testimony. You know, your, your testimony is one of the most powerful witnessing tools you have. And by the way, did she have to have somebody tell her that this was her life purpose? <laughs> or did it, was there something welling up with inside her that said, wow, I got saved. I got born again. I got a, the hope of eternal life. And there's not got a hope so, maybe so, I think so. I got to know so salvation. Woo! That's what happened to me. I, I didn't know much about the Bible. I went home and started telling my mom, my dad, my uh, Brothers and sisters, my dad, I anybody I could find. Hey, no, I got saved. I got born again. First person I told was my wife. All right. Verse 39, look in verse 40. So the Samaritans were come unto him. They besought him and would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. So they took the testimony. That was a starter. They opened up the Jesus Christ shared with them the word. Same thing with us. They, you know how to prompt. You know, we hand out Bible tracts. And people read some of these. They're kind of enticing, you know. And they say, man, maybe, maybe I'll look what the Bible says. I hope it does. Who knows? I believe it probably has worked on people's lives in that way. Look at verse 42. And, and said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy sayings, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that indeed the Christ, the Savior, Indeed, the Christ, the Savior of the world. Look in the second Luke chapter 16. How I many you know what this is all about? What's in Luke 16? Who can tell me? Lazarus. Very good. One of the strongest testimonies about hell. So when you talk to people and they don't believe in hell, take them to Luke chapter number 16. This is not a parable, my friend. But look at the witness here. The testimony here of the lost man. Verse 6, chapter 16, verse number 28. We'll step back so you can get uh, the, the full understanding of it. In verse 24, this is the, uh, the voice of uh, the rich man. Verse 24, if you're there, 1624. And he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I'm tormented in these flames. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, thou art tormented. Verse 26, And beside all this, between us and you there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which pass from hence to you cannot, neither that can they pass to us that would come from thence. In verse 27, Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, thou would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that I may 
that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Now this is a testimony of a lost person. Understanding, wow, this is serious. <laughs> we need to have somebody witnessing and telling the people, you don't want to come here, this is bad, this is no good. But what do we have? The path to victory is the idea that there is your life purpose. You get up in the morning, you say, my life purpose is to be a witness. My life purpose is to see my children saved. My life purpose is to, is to live such a life that others would know Christ he is real and that he died for us. That's my life purpose. If you don't make that your life purpose, you're allowing there to be a root of deep-rooted sin in your life. It, honestly, when you are serious about being a soul winner, you're serious about sin. And you're serious about being right with God. Number four. The path to victory. Hebrews chapter 12. Let us lie, lay aside every weight. Understand there's two terms here, and I underlined them up here. And the sin. So recognize there's things that we do in our life that we don't necessarily consider sin. But they hinder our ability to serve God. How many would believe that? There's things that you do that you've got to do in your life. Make a living, you know, clean house, uh, you know, all those different things. I mean, there's just things that got to be done in your life. But listen, you say, why? Why is there weights and sins? This is the big one. And it's a, it probably affects more people in this room than all everything else. It's a lack of surrender. A weight... When you're running a race, I mean, he gets those on, he, uh, you finish this verse up, he, 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 the analogy is running a race. How many ever done any running? You get, got out there, and, you, and he, especially competing. And the next guy next to you, he's, he's all slim, and he's got, the, he's got the gear and the shoes, and, and he looks really fit, and, and, uh, and you're over there with a chubby stomach. <laughs> And you're over there with your work shoes on. I don't think you're too serious about running a race, are you? That's a weight. When we lay aside every weight, we say, you know what? I don't think this is that important in my life. How many think there's some things in your life where just you got there and they're occupying time and thought and money and effort and energy? You say, wait a minute. Do I really need this? Or is this just occupying some time that it's not allowing me? You know, it's a trim the fat, what I'm saying. Not literally. Trim the whatever's on there that says, listen, I don't want to be a hindrance. That path, let's lay outside every weight. Because besetting means that it's going to stop you. It doesn't mean it's going to hit, it's going to stop you. Look at these verses together. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. I'm taking these verses because I want you to see that this is not taking out of context what the Bible's saying here. Instead, it's revealing how, how this is this, the mind and the heart of the Lord. It, it was given to Paul as he talked to Timothy. I'll get there. Somebody took Timothy out of my Bible. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 4. What's the Bible say? <clears throat> Starting in verse number 3, it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life. You hear that? Don't, don't get all tangled up with things that are going on that's holding you back. Throw them off. Shut them off. Whatever it is. I, I mean, I can name some things. How about death? 
How many, how many think debt's a burden to you? And if I could just get rid of this, I'd have more free time, right? How many of you have got just a little bit of problem with covetousness? Be honest. Got a little problem. You always got to be looking at Walmart, Internet, Amazon, uh, eBay, Craigslist. I don't care what it is. Got to find that new last-minute thing, and I got to have it. It's going to make a difference in my life. And guess what? It's, it's a burden on your finances. You say, those are all sin. No, I'm just saying when it becomes a phenomenon in your life. In verse number four, he entangled himself with the affairs that he may please him who has chosen him to be what? A what? A soldier. A Christian soldier. We sing the song. We don't sing it much here. I, don't, I think it's in our hymn book. Onward, Christian soldiers. Marching as to war with the cross of Jesus. Go. I remember singing that as a kid. We used to stomp our feet. Mm. How many did that? Listen, you're a soldier. You're fighting against the foe. He wants to devour you, your family, your friends, your neighbor. He wants to take them to hell. Isn't that terrible? God says, I put you out front. I've equipped you with everything you need to be victorious. 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. What's the Bible say? The path to victory. You've got to lay aside every weight and sin. Don't tangle yourselves up with the affairs of this life. Chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians and verse number 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Every. Cleanse ourselves. If it's holding you back from being a good soldier, get rid of it. Figure out how you can work around it. You know, if you really figure out ways, you know, you can live in a way that, boy, you say, I don't, I, Dave Ramsey, uh, I listen sometimes to his program, and his theme is always live like nobody now, and later on you'll live like nobody. You say, what do you mean? You live like you're supposed to do now, and someday there'll be great rewards. Right? Great treasures laid up in heaven. And it won't be cars, and it won't be home, and it won't be clothes, and it won't be any of that. It'll be sold and rescued from perishing. So what do you do? You say, I just need to get more surrender. So God, show me. If, if, if you don't, you say, I don't even know where to start, Pastor. You start this morning. You say, God... You just show me whatever I can cut out of my life to make me a good soldier, I'm willing to do it. Well, that's a big prayer, isn't it? A real meaningful, and some of you know right away, I've said some things and all of a sudden, the Lord brought, how many things God brought things to mind this morning? I could do with that. I could get rid of that. I could do, I could cut that out. But I have more time to spend in prayer, more time in the Word, more time soul winning. Be more surrendered. Number five. We're going to take a little time with this because patience really needs to be defined. The path to victory. Let us run with what? Patience. You think about, you say, well, how does running have anything to do with patience? Man, it's all about getting down the, down the way and, 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 and doing what you got to do. Well, let's look at it. You can, I've kind of given you a hint already. It's about what? Submission. We're going to look at the definition of it. Patience is that sometimes you wrestle. How many of you wrestle with doing what is right? And you're, and that's when you're getting ready to make an excuse for what you shouldn't do. You're, how many of your kids do that to you? <laughs> they, 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 they figure up, they got a plan. Whenever you tell them to do something, they got an, an alternative plan already figured out. You don't do that, Chloe, do you? That excuse up there, instead of saying, well, this is what the Lord wants, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. What is the, what is the definition of submission? Look at the definition with me. 
suffering of afflictions, pain, toil, calamity, provocation of evil, with calm and unruffled, tempered endurance without murmuring or fretfulness. Now, boy, that's a big mouthful, isn't it? Let's say it again. Suffering of afflictions, pain, toil, calamity, provocation, or other evil, without a calm, unruffled, tempered endurance, without murmuring or fretfulness. Wow, that's patience. That means you're saying, go whatever you want, Lord. I don't care what it costs me, right? I don't care where you send me, where, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I won't complain about it. There's two ways you can do that. Look at the last, the first part of that. Patience may spring from a constitutional fortitude. That means you just muster, I'm going to muscle up and make it happen, right? From a kind of heroic pride. Is pride ever any good in the Christian life? Is it? Never. There's no heroism in Christianity. But look at the second meaning of this. Or from a Christian submission to the divine will. That's the one we want patience from. Submission. You say, I just want to submit to this whatever. How many of you went through some trials in your life? <laughs> you know, I mean, you kind of hit the wall, in other words. <laughs> and you say, wow, I don't know what's going on here, but man, I don't like it. Is that fretfulness? Complaining? Or you say, man, maybe the Lord's just trying to get my attention. Maybe I just said, Lord, what do you want? <laughs> you got it. I hear you. Because if you'll know, chapter 12 deals with what? Chastisement. You want to get where God wants you to be. The best way is just saying whatever you want, Lord. But if you don't say whatever you want, Lord, and God has to go the second step. I mean, does that happen to you? Woo! I don't like the second step. Chloe, you like the second step? Brookie, you like the second step? How about a Samuel? You like the second step? That said, no, you didn't hear me. I said this. You didn't hear me. I said this. Well, now maybe I'm going to have to get something to make you hear better. And God does that to us. Whom the Lord loveth, he what? He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And God says, listen, I love you enough. I want your my will done in your life so you be happy. Listen, God has a plan. We understand patience. You understand, no matter what I go through, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to thank God for it. I'm going to praise God for it. I'm going to glory in God for it. God's over my life. Nothing goes on with my life. God is in control of. How many would agree with that? Woo! He's got me. I'm for him. I, he's for me. We're going to work together. Something comes into my life. Got me a little sideways. God, I hear you. Listen, I'm into submission. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Sorry, I was so slow in listening. Let me ask, that's the path to victory. But really, this path means nothing. I've given you five things around this little wheel. But the main thing is Jesus Christ. You can be on this path, you can do all the right things. But listen, without Christ in the center of this thing, it's not going to work. How many know what the victory is in the Christian life? What is, what is the victory? One word. One word. What is it? Faith. Faith. Come on, you sing it. Faith is a victory. <laughs> Faith is a victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. I know you didn't want me to sing this morning. I can't help it. And when it's exciting about God, when you know you can overcome sin, when you know, hey, man, this thing's been plaguing me all my life. It's something in my life I want to get rid of. I want to be sold out for God. I want to live for God. I want God to have be first in my life. Then there has to be this understood. Looking unto Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. What well, He is the author of it, right? He wrote the book on it. And guess what? If he wrote the book on it and you follow him, then he's going to be the what? He's going to be the finisher. I like that. 
Now you started this thing with me, Lord, and I know you're going to help me finish the course. I'm excited. I want to serve you. I want my kids to be saved. I want to go on. I want my church to grow. I want people around me to be saved. I want to get in there into heaven. And he's going to say, oh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. How many like to hear those words? Well done. Well done. Did a good job. Man, he stayed the course. What Paul did, he knew that before he left. I finished my course. Do you know that you can know you've done right with God? Woo, that's not going to make you proud. That's going to make you excited. God got me through some things. God got me into where I needed to be. It starts and finishes with faith. So how important is faith? How important is knowing the word of God? How important is it to memorize the scripture? Faith cometh by what? Hearing, hearing by the word of God. Without faith, it's possible to please him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Wow, faith is important, isn't it? You say, but there's more to faith than just faith. Let's go back. I got a verse we're going to pick up there. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Write these in your fly leaf somewhere. You want victory over sin, you've got to see the value of faith. Look at verse number four. <clears throat> Maybe we should come back and get three. <clears throat> For this is the love of God that we want. Keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. That means that not only am I keeping them, I want to keep them. I'm excited about it. Verse 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world. What? Even our faith. You can't please God, and you're not going to overcome sin, yourself, omission, commission, you name it. You're not going to do it without faith. It's going to take God's help. It means you're going to start today. That's the reason, don't, don't, that's the reason we have an altar call, by the way. You delay till you get home. You know a lot of you won't even pray. The devil said, "Wow, well, man, he got by, got out the church, and I'll just throw all kinds of things up and distract him." And all of a sudden, that that and I hate that people make emotional decisions. But boy, I know when God's dealt with me, Lord, I'm going to take this to you right now. I'm going to settle this with you right now. Usually, when you settle something with God, God will bring that back. Maybe you told me something the other the other day in church. I mean, God had that duty. Remember, you told me something the other day in church. God spoke to your heart and the message, and yeah, are you going to follow through on that? I remember when a God told me I needed to be a preacher. I do remember that. And I was not serving God. I hadn't gone to school yet, and I remember him saying, and I come home and told you, didn't I? Told my wife. I said, I know God's called me in the ministry. I didn't know why at that time. I wasn't sure. I just knew full-time service. And I went down this road and that road and seemed like there was everywhere I went is a closed door and I thought, maybe maybe I was just all warmed up against something and and my wife opened her mouth. God bless her. And she said it she was doing what God told her to say. And she said these three little words. She said, I thought God called me to ministry. That's all she said. I mean, what God, the only thing I can remember was those three, those words. And it was like God stuck that, the word of God right in my heart. And I was crushed. And I went, I went to my knees and I said, oh God, forgive me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Listen, <clears throat> you want the faith, you want the victory, you want to be able to overcome sin. Look at the second thing about faith. <clears throat> Verse 2, who for the joy, this is in Hebrews chapter 2, for the joy. Now, I'm not going to go in. I could give you a definition for joy. But it's something that you just have. It's just in, in you. It's, it's, it's what drives you. It's what motivates you, what moves you. It's what you like to do. It's, it's who you are. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him. And we know the rest of that verse. But notice... Faith victory is unseen purpose. That means that you're going to be motivated, not because pastor got up here and preached necessarily, 
It's not going to be motivated because everybody else is doing it. It's not going to be motivated by, by the things that are seen. That's what the Bible says. Evidence of things not what? Seen. You're going to, God is going to speak to your heart and tell you what he wants you to do. Going to motivate you to do the right thing. Look in Hebrews chapter number 11 again. You've got to use the word, word, folks. This is the thing that's going to make it last past this morning. It's going to be what you've seen in the word of God, not, what I, not, what, not my emotion. Look what it says in verse number 39. <clears throat> it says, And these all having obtained a what? A good report through what? Faith. And notice what it says. Receive not the promise. It's not like that it's, it's guaranteed. Right in writing, you say, you say, mean, what do you mean by that? What, what do you mean they didn't receive the promise? They just did it. They didn't know how it was going to work out. They just said, this is the will of God. And guess what? Many, 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 many times we do the right thing and we do receive the blessings of God. But we're not motivated necessarily by the blessings. We're motivated because it's the will of God. And we're motivated because of what he's done for us. We love him because he first loved us. You say, well, you know, that's why soul winning falls on its face every time in a church. It's, it just keeps falling on its face because I don't see anything in it for me. Except people closing the door and being nasty to me. But listen, there are promises that come from this. You'll notice up if I can find it again. <clears throat> Look in verse 33. Of 11. What's it say? Who through faith subdued kingdoms. Was that something they, that was a victory, wasn't it? They wrought righteousness. That's a promise. They got it, didn't they? Obtained what? Promises. But it didn't start off with that. That was just the results of it. It wasn't, well, this is guaranteed. No. But they obtained promises. How many of you believe that if we soul win, I'm just throwing this out there because that's what we're all about, what we should be, that eventually God's going to bless. You really believe that, you'll be soul winning. Now, if you just verbally assented to the idea, yeah. If you're not soul winning, you really don't believe it. You say that again. The idea there is you're doing the right thing regardless of whether you see the promise. You can see it afar off. You really believe. you got that kind of faith. That's the faith that I'm talking about. Not the faith that I believe it but I'm not doing it. But the faith that I'm doing it and I'm expecting to believe it. See it. It's unseen. Faith is the substance of things not seen. The evidence of things hoped for, but they're not seen. This is it, folks. We talked about the path we're on the person. The person is Jesus. Verse 3, if you're in your Bible, I, can, I encourage you to be there. The Bible says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. The contradiction of sinners. What does it mean by the contradiction of sinners? It means anything that's contradicting you means that they're opposing you, right? They're not for you. They're not all okay with what you're doing. How many of you fathers trying to teach your children Christian values and live for God? And they say, wow, Dad, show us some more. Or they kind of put their hand up and say, really, Dad? Huh? You're going to find that in everything that we do. What is the victory? Christ in you. You think about it. When Jesus lives in you, you have firsthand the love of God. Woo! 
you have first in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in you. Christ in us. That means you can love people the way God loves them. You can pray for people the way God wants you to pray for them. You can minister to them the way God wants you to minister to them. Not because, well, it's my duty. No, because why? You love them. He condured them sinners. Man, they were they were one. They looked on him and they, like it says out of the book of Isaiah, like a bunch of lions. They spit on him. They mocked him with cruel mockings. And what did Jesus do? God forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know that they're opposing themselves. So you love them in spite of sin. How many would agree with that? you got to love people in spite of sin. <laughs> you go and you try to help them along with, in spite of their sin. <clears throat> Second, you love them in spite of their hatred. That's strong. I don't know about you, but when you can see that in people's eyes, they hate you. How many have ever seen somebody look at you in such a way? They didn't tell you outright, but they just hate you. They don't want you to be there. They don't want you telling them what they're telling them, what you're telling them. But you're there because you love them. You're there because God sent you there. This is the evidence of Christ in you. You endure the contradiction of sinners against himself. <clears throat> and he says, if you don't, this faith that endures that. So he says, the way you endure that is you do what? You look back. that's what Christ did. And that's what he's still doing. So do you have the kind of <clears throat> person of victory that you need? So that's who Jesus is. How many agree that's who, Je that's who Jesus is? He starts what he began Makes it through the suffering and temptation. That's very powerful, by the way. I don't know about you, but the temptations that face me, that keep me from living the Christian life, are very powerful. Stop me sometimes, more times than I'd like to admit. But that faith gets us through that. Sometimes you think your pastor doesn't have temptation. Oh, my goodness. Soul winning? Yeah. Talking to people about Jesus? Yeah. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter number 3. Let's look at these verses real fast. What does it mean? Contradiction of sinners against himself. Hebrews chapter number 3, verse number 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly wow, calling, considering the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ Jesus. Do you know you have a heavenly calling? What? I've been called to do this. What? Who do we consider? Jesus. First Samuel. I like this one. Sometimes word searches are so powerful sometimes when you look up in the Bible. It's so exciting to have the Bible that's authoritative. I feel sorry for those folks who don't have Bibles like that. First Samuel chapter number 12. Look in verse 34. 
got the wrong verse. I have to relook this one up. There's no 1234. What is it? 24? Yes, you're right. Thank you. It's only 10 verses off. Look at verse 23. <clears throat> Maybe 22. I don't know where to start. Verse 22. For the Lord will not sake, forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, the Lord forbid that I should sin against the Lord, ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach, I will teach you good and right way. Verse 24. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart and consider how great things he hath done for you. Consider Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 13. We're all done, folks. I hope you've taken some notes. If you're like me, you say, I want to get victory over that deep-rooted sin. 15 and 13. Verse you already know. <clears throat> you got to step back. Verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my, what? Joy, we've heard that word this morning already, might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. All right, folks. I'm all done. I'm all done. I just, as your pastor... As a brother in the Lord, as your friend, let me say this to you. You can and you should overcome every sin, the deep-rooted ones. Because it's the deep-rooted ones that's making you obviously not a love for other folks the way you need to be. That's it. It's not hard. We took it out of basically two verses in the Bible. He says, listen, here's the heroes of the faith. You also are compassed about by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, I can go as far as chastening to try to get you to do the right thing. But listen, if you just take the two verses and say, you know what? I don't, God doesn't have to deal with me as a disobedient son. You can come this morning and say, Lord, I just want to be completely surrendered. Lord, I, if there's deep, uh, any deep-rooted sin in my life, I want it out. I want it gone. I, I'm going I'm to take these notes that I took this morning. And I want to be just like you. <laughs> I just want to be like my Heavenly Father. Love sinners. Not willing that any should perish. And I have a passion. That I do anything and everything. Serve my Lord. Let's stand as we close. <clears throat> You're here this morning, heads bowed and eyes closed. You say, Pastor, I am struggling with some kind of deep-rooted sin. I've really been battling it for a long time. It's just been part of my life. And I just haven't had the victory over it the way I want it. But I do really want to get victory. Here this morning, say, would you pray for me? Uplifted hand. Say, Pastor, please pray for me. I see that hand. I see those hands. God bless you. Let me take a quick hand. Anybody else? Just say, Pastor, just pray for me. I really do want to get over deep-rooted sin. I want to get victory. I want to see the Lord work in my life. Show me that. Anybody else? Just lift up your hand. Pastor, please pray for me. I want to start today. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. You're here this morning. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm even saved. I, I hope so. Uh, maybe so, but I'm not 100% sure. You say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I want to get this settled at some point in my life. I want it settled sooner the better about salvation. I want to know for sure that I'm a, really a born-again Christian, that my home is going to be in heaven. Pastor, would you pray for me? I want, I want victory. 
Anybody at all? So Pastor, please pray for me. Anybody at all? So Pastor, I'm not sure, but I want to be. Anybody at all? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, you know every heart here completely, thoroughly. You know every person that really wants to have the kind of Christian life that's not plagued by some kind of sin. Lord, you've given us a path. You've given us a person. Lord, we know that your path is the word, the truth. And Father, it comes through Christ Jesus, by faith. So Lord, I ask you to be with every heart. Lord, your will would be accomplished this morning. A new beginning, a new start. And Father, that the victors would come. As folks surrender and submit themselves to you. Lord, please bless those that have admitted they need and want change. And Father, if there's any lingering about salvation, would you please give them grace, Father, and the humility humbleness to confess and turn their life over to you. Father, we ask you to bless this invitation. Decisions made, Father, may they be the foundation for a beginning of a new new start. In Jesus' name.